0: What's up, everyone? This is Anthony Pompliano. Most of you know me as Pomp. You're listening to the Pomp Podcast, simply the best podcast out there. Let's kick this thing off. Isaiah Jackson is the author of the best selling book, Bitcoin and Black America. He is one of the most underrated people in the Bitcoin ecosystem and is constantly educating one of the most important communities for mainstream adoption. In this conversation, we discuss Bitcoin, the plight of Black Americans in the legacy financial system, why decentralization and pseudonymity are advantageous, and why Isaiah is writing a second book. I really enjoyed this conversation with Isaiah, and I hope you do as well. Before we get into this episode, though, I want to quickly talk about our sponsors. First up is the Rodman Law Group. Everyone knows you need a great lawyer if you're going to build in the crypto industry. There's so many moving parts. The regulations are constantly changing. And so you need somebody who's not only a good lawyer, but they also understand the underlying technologies and the regulatory environment. The Rodman Law Group has been doing this for a while. They literally have moved part of their treasury into Bitcoin and they've been accepting Bitcoin and Ethereum for years. Go check out my friends at the Rodman Law Group that are dedicated to helping entrepreneurs realize their vision by helping them operate defensibly in sectors where laws and regulations haven't caught up to the realities of the industry. The Rodman Law Group's legal expertise is combined with their understanding of blockchain technology, and it makes them the ideal legal service provider for the industry. Head on over to therodmanlawgroup.com slash pomp. Again, therodmanlawgroup.com slash pomp. They'll give you a discount on that first consultation, and they'll also give you a discount on the first year of legal services. therodmanlawgroup.com slash pomp. Go check them out and use them as your lawyer. therodmanlawgroup.com slash pomp. Next up is BlockFi. BlockFi provides financial products for crypto investors. Those products include a high yield interest account where you can earn up to 8.6% APY in that interest bearing account. They also give you a US dollar loan against your crypto collateral. And they have a crypto exchange that has no fees. I'm an investor. I sit on the board and I'm a very happy user of the product. You can start using BlockFi today if you go to blockfi.com slash pomp. Again, a high yield interest account, U.S. dollar loans against your crypto collateral or no fee trading. Head on over to blockfi.com slash pomp. Lastly is Choice. There are a new self-directed IRA product I'm really excited about. If you're listening to this, you are likely part of the 7.1 million Bitcoin owners who have retirement accounts with dollars in them, but not Bitcoin. I was in that situation too. Now you can actually buy real Bitcoin in your retirement account. I'm talking about owning your private keys and using tax advantage dollars to do it too. It's an absolute game changer. Choice, a self-directed IRA product that allows you to buy Bitcoin, hold your private keys, and use tax advantage dollars to do it. Head on over to retirewithchoice.com/pomp. Again, retirewithchoice.com slash pump. If you want to buy Bitcoin in your retirement account, go to retirewithchoice.com slash pump. All right, let's get into this episode with Isaiah. I hope you guys enjoy this one. Anthony Pompliano is a partner at Morgan Creek Digital. All opinions expressed by Pomp or his guests on this podcast are solely their opinions and do not reflect the opinions of Morgan Creek Digital or Morgan Creek Capital Management. You should not treat any opinion expressed by Pomp as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or follow a particular strategy, but only as an expression of his opinion. This podcast is for informational purposes only. All right, guys. Bang, bang. I've got a very special treat for you today. I've got Isaiah here with me. This is his second time on the podcast. Thank you so much for doing this again, sir.
1: Man, so glad to be back. (laughs) It's been a long time, man. It's a long time coming. Glad to see you, Pom.
0: Absolutely. So uh, we're jumping on today because last night we were in Clubhouse uh, and we were in a room. It was me, you, uh, Delane, uh, Chris Lyons, uh, Chris Dixon from Andreessen Horowitz. Uh, There was Meek Mill, Mike Novogratz, uh, just a whole host of people in there. And uh, at one point you took the mic and uh, you took over, man. It was absolutely amazing to watch. Uh, So basically, I just want to kind of go through uh, how you're thinking about Bitcoin. Um, and, uh, you know, kind of talk through some of the nuances that you spoke about last night. But before we do that, let's start with just your background. Kind of tell us where you grew up, what you've done career-wise before you wrote the book, and then tell us a little bit about uh, the book series, uh, Bitcoin and Black America.
1: So, yes, uh, my name is Isaiah Jackson, and I'm originally from Charlotte, North Carolina. And, uh, you know, Charlotte is one of the biggest banking cities in the world, so if you know anything about that, uh, you know everybody here has a banking aunt or uncle or cousin. And one of the best parts about that was I grew up thinking that that was, of course, you know, the entire financial system. But uh, my background is uh, I went to NC State for college, uh, went there for uh, computer science, and then got into IT. Uh, at first, I was a teacher; I taught computer science, and then I got into the IT world. So I had a, a pretty solid tech background. Um, being an IT analyst and and software developer. But when I saw Bitcoin in 2013, um, that sort of put the two together. Uh, Again, like I said, I have people in my family on the financial side and the tech side. When Bitcoin came, it's the purest form of fintech. Uh, It's fintech in its purest form. So when that came about, um, one of the things that piqued my interest was, of, of course, I could make money from it. But also, too, there were problems in computer science that were Finally solved, like Byzantine. Uh, the Byzantine in generals' problem was finally solved. So that's one of the things that, that piqued my interest. But I love the fact that uh, you know back then people thought it was for drug dealers. They thought it was scammers for multi-level marketing. And I got you know my own family members and friends were like, "What are you doing, man? What is this Bitcoin thing you're talking about?" And you know my background uh, before Bitcoin was always sort of defiant, sort of first first to do something. So I think I was right at home when I found Bitcoin. And before I wrote Bitcoin in Black America, uh, I had the Gentleman of Crypto Show, which is still going daily, one of the longest runner shows in the industry. Uh, and also, I have, I've also written three Bitcoin starter guides before Bitcoin in Black America came out. So I, I've done a lot, traveled around the country, speaking with people, uh, You know, going up and down 85, driving, <laughs> driving to people's houses just to be laughed at, Speaking to financial groups who were looking me up and down, like, who is this 25, 26-year-old kid telling me I don't know what I'm talking about? Uh, you know, because I, I used to go there. I used to say, hey, gold, who cares about gold? And, you know, I used to make bets. I would say, hey, I bet you on Bitcoin. It'll be past gold's market cap. And they would never go for it. So I've, I've been through it a lot. And it's just good to see that once the book came out, I was able to package those, those experiences and that knowledge and able to produce it and give it to the people. And at this point, with the second version coming out, I think we're getting to a point now where that knowledge base is building and we have a solid foundation in my community and the broader community as well.
0: Absolutely. And what's so fascinating, I think, as I've gotten to know you and kind of seen a lot of the content you've put out is you really are focused on a community that doesn't get spoken about almost at all, really, when it comes to Bitcoin and and cryptocurrency. So most people will talk about Wall Street. Uh, or they'll talk about um, kind of the developing world, right? Those are the two main things people say, oh, the adoption is happening uh, in those two places. But you're really talking about what is essentially a developing um, sector of the U.S. economy, right, in, in terms of Black America. And, and uh, maybe let's start with just some of the problems that you see uh, with that community interacting with the legacy banking system. Like Some of the stories you've told me uh, were very, very eye-opening and, and frankly shocking, knowing that, hey, this stuff happens right here in the United States. So maybe help people understand just like what the problems are and some of the obstacles uh, with the legacy system are
1: So, Bitcoin went past forty thousand. We saw all the hype, and what I like to do whenever we see this bull run hype is take a step back. Remember why we're here, and I remember why I was here. I remember why it intrigued me. I remember reading the white paper and distinctly thinking to myself, "This is perfect. The people finally have a chance. We at least have a shot, you know." And it was more of a a shot, so to say, back then. Now I think it's a foregone conclusion that we can actually develop and. The reason I thought you know, in the black community we would have a shot was is because traditionally or historically what we have seen, we have seen wealth just systematically taken out of our community uh, through laws, through different practices. Uh, some of the banking practices, like you just said, that have been very egregious. And uh, concluding in the book, I have all of my examples from 2012 up to now. So it's not like this is, I'm talking about a long time ago before civil rights, we're talking about recently. And they've settled disputes. Uh, that have stated that Black Americans were given higher interest rates on loans. Uh, They've settled disputes uh, for racial discrimination for hiring Black candidates in the financial market. Uh, We've also seen uh, the racial discrimination suits in the tech world, where you've seen Black people not able to work in the C-suites, where most of Black uh, employees are at the base level. So we've seen this across the board. The problem is I'm not one to complain. I'm just looking for the solution. And I think a solution to that is something like Bitcoin, where if you can free your money, you can also free your industry and free your community. And in the black community, all we're looking for, nobody I know is looking for a handout. Nobody wants you to give us anything. We just want the freedom to be able to explore. And the things I've seen historically is that we don't really have any choice but to, to find another option, at the very least for leverage. Um, when you have any type of business deal, anybody will tell you If you don't have any leverage there's no reason to show up and i think that's what the problem black people running into is that we're coming to politicians we're coming to people saying hey we want this to be done in our communities but we're not we don't have any leverage we the violent part of it that's not going to work we saw these guys storm capitol hill and nothing got done joe biden's still gonna get sworn in so you have to go for the money aspect of it if you can say we will take our wealth out of this system we will move it to a better system like Bitcoin if we're not respected. At the very least, you'll have the seat at the table that you need, the voice that you need to have leverage to say, well, you you need to either change your practices or we'll leave. That is how you flex your power. And that's only possible when you can actually have a plan B like Bitcoin. So because of the historical nature of the financial markets in the U.S. and the emerging markets of Black people, Coinbase just did a, a, uh, a poll. 75% of Black people who were polled said they would buy crypto. That's, that's also compared to the least or smallest demographic that is in crypto. So you have a perfect storm of people who want to learn but are undereducated. You put that together, and that's why I do what I do because this is a booming market, especially in the U.S., and also the third biggest trading country, Nigeria. Uh, Black brothers and sisters across, across the water. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of family members I know that are Nigerian. They have family members back there. This is not just here. It's international. So this is some something uh, that I definitely want to tackle. And I'm glad that we're actually having this discussion finally.
0: Yeah, what's so fascinating to me is this idea of um, you can protest, there's a violent uh, path to pursue, or there's this uh, kind of financial and money path. And as you were talking, what it reminded me of is I think, you know, the Jay-Z's of the world, the Drake's, the Kanye's, they really figured this out over the last kind of two decades or so, kind of pay me in equity. If I get enough money, I can have a seat at the table. If I own the actual businesses, I can have a seat at the table. And so that required, you know, immense effort and uh, frankly, some level of heroic accomplishment to end up becoming a billionaire or getting enough capital to actually own some of these businesses. But they were successful in the path that they chose. I think really what kind of what you're saying is like, look, right, you know, overall strategy of, hey, you got to take the money path, but you may not have to become a billionaire to be able to do it, right? There's this kind of easier path uh, for the everyday person to pursue. And so help understand a little bit just in terms of some of those issues. Like one thing you mentioned last night that just blew me away uh, was the uh, higher percentage of Black Americans who will walk in for a loan and not get it. Or they'll get the loan but they have a higher interest rate versus a, a white counterpart and so like how pervasive is that issue and then we'll talk about how a decentralized kind of digital world can solve a lot of those problems
1: yes so those issues have subsided but they do still exist and one sector that we see it the most is in the business world uh, in the business world you know a lot of times there are certain factors that will get you business loans however not just with uh with retail banks, but VCs. Only 1% or less than 1% of VC money goes towards black owned businesses. Whether it's perception of money management, whether that's the historical perception that you know tech companies can't be run by black people and become prosperous, whatever it is, uh that is the, those are the facts. And from a data standpoint, when you see that, you have to understand that usually that is a result of things that were put in place before. So you have an industry where you have the same sort of uh, loop of money going right back to the same people. And if their network is mostly white, which most people hang with people in their industry, that's what you're going to get over and over. Bitcoin releases that. So now you can invest anybody around the world, technically, um, using a free money system. And I think that that is something that should be spoken for as far as the barrier to entry. Because when we talk about the banking system and trying to get money here and trying to get... All that is going through a third party and going through an entity that has human error. Do you wanna choose humans or do you wanna choose math and, and technology? Choose math and technology is built into the code for Bitcoin. You have the ability to take control, so why not do that? And uh, we don't have to worry about someone sitting across from you and judging you based on whatever factors, it doesn't matter. Uh, decentralized finance, where that comes in is that for the first time ever, the only thing you need is the collateral. That's all it should be. It shouldn't be wh- what zip code you are, what do you need it for? KYC, that's a debate we can have later. Shouldn't even matter. It should really be if you have the collateral, here's the cash. If you pay it back, here's back your collateral. That's it. Very simple process, but there's all these steps in between to to convolute it. But now that it is possible, the black community can usually or you know, usually you can't do this, but now we can actually use Bitcoin as collateral, get cash loans for businesses build those small businesses at a time where a lot of businesses are decimated. They're looking for a way out after a lot of the COVID shutdowns. And in the black community, I can't save everybody, but you can save yourself. And if there's a way for you to win, that is the best thing you can do for the black community is to build yourself up, be self-sovereign, be self-sufficient and use something like decentralized finance to do that. Bitcoin uh, solves that problem and the community as a whole wins when individually you can build yourself up.
0: Yeah, kind of pulling on this a little bit more, um, in the decentralized finance world, whether it's on Bitcoin, somewhere else, forget, you know, kind of where it ends up being successful, but just the idea of decentralized finance, really what you're talking about here is it doesn't matter who you are, what language you speak, what uh, nationality you are, what your skin color is, uh, your education level, none of that stuff matters. If you've got, you know... $100,000 worth of Bitcoin and you need a $20,000 loan, you could post that $100,000 of Bitcoin. And these decentralized protocols just recognize, somebody gave me $100,000 worth of Bitcoin, here's your $20,000 of a stable coin or or US Mm -hmm. dollars or whatever it is. And so it sounds like really what you're talking about is a technology uh, and a financial system that's technology enabled that is almost built in a way that protects itself from human error, human bias, and, and a lot of the issues that we see in the legacy world, right?
1: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Or even if those things enter into the space, it's quickly shut down, because we are great at self-regulating in the crypto market. As you've seen, uh, we're some of the best self-regulators there are, because we know building from scratch, we can't afford to have scammers and you know human error trying to mess it up or some somebody trying to, to change what Bitcoin or what crypto is meant for. So uh, we do a great job of that. And <laughs> in my opinion, uh I, I love the fact that our industry, we don't care what type of human enters into it. You have to prove yourself in the crypto market. I mean, as you know, we laugh at billionaires. Uh, Warren Buffett gets criticized all the time. You know, people say, have fun stand poor to Mark Cuban. Like, what? <laughs> you know what I mean? I, I love it. I mean, even though it's, you know, pretty pretty crazy, people have to remember that's where we started. That is what this was built on. And these crazy random people over the internet somehow built a financial industry. So it broke down the mindset that, you need this government to tell you this is your money. You need some sort of regulatory body to tell you this is how you can spend it. All that has gone out the window. We have the richest man in the world smoking weed on Joe Rogan and posting Dogecoin memes. It's over, people. Like Your thought process of what the financial industry is, is over. So I love that that exists. And I think the Black community is perfect for that because you can be yourself. I think that's what a lot of Black people do not think about the financial industry. They think of suit, tie, a uh, guy with a briefcase, he comes with this index fund, jibber-jabber talk I don't understand, which, as you know, a lot of times the financial industry was built that way. It was built to be very confusing. So you just hand it off to a financial manager, take your 10%. I don't even want to talk about it. This industry, Bitcoin, is opposite. Everybody I know will teach you. I mean, you can ask anybody. They'll teach you at least the beginning, the start. They'll point you in the right direction. They'll build a whole website. LOP. Jameson Lop has a whole website. <laughs> you can learn everything. At one time, myself, I write books. I don't work for Bitcoin. There's no Bitcoin company. This is the only industry where that happens. And I think the best shot the Black community has is in an industry like this.
0: Yeah, I could not agree more. Uh, One of the comments that you've made recently that I absolutely love is you said, uh, if you had money and somebody was stealing from you every day, you wouldn't let that keep happening. Yet that's what happens with inflation. Explain that a little bit in terms of uh, that. It's just just such a concise down to the first way to describe inflation. Uh, and so it seems to really resonate with people.
1: Yes, so inflation is the slow killer uh, of wealth. And the best way I can describe it is that if you use the frog in the pot theory, if you put a frog in a boiling pot of water, if you turn the heat up uh, immediately, the frog will sense danger and jump out, right? So anything that's gonna be done to your community won't be overnight, it'll be slow and gradual. So you put the frog in that pot of water and you turn it up slowly, And slowly, slowly, by the time the frog realizes it's too hot, he's already cooked. And we've been cooked with inflation, so to say, over time. And that inflation has killed the purchasing power in the Black community. And sometimes people often say, uh, when the US has a cold, the Black community has a flu. Meaning that if something's going wrong in America, it's even worse in the Black community. We saw that with a lot of the COVID numbers. We see that with every tragedy that happens it's even worse for us. So what inflation has done to our community It has took your purchasing power to where grandpa could have a job and your grandmother could stay at home. You could still have a house and a car. So now you could have a two-income household and barely afford an apartment with public transportation. So that's what inflation has done to our money over time. Purchasing power has decreased. And I want people to understand that the only way to win against inflation is to have your money in an asset that beats out that inflation year over year. And right now we're looking at 15 to 20% inflation rates (laughs) with the printing of money with more coming. I think they're, they're announcing it tomorrow. How will you win in this market? How will you preserve wealth? Well, you have to have it in an asset such as Bitcoin, which has outperformed every other market. Uh, the guy on CNBC said he tells his friends to invest in the S&P. That's great, but it made 16% last year. That's not keeping up with inflation, really. Um, Bitcoin does, and it beats it by a large margin. So uh, that's how you can preserve that wealth. And that's, that's the point you know, I, I really want to get out to people uh, as I speak to them over time.
0: Absolutely. When you talk to people and you start educating them or they read your book and uh, they say, hey, you know what, I, I need to actually get involved here. What's normally your recommendation for how somebody from the black community can get started in Bitcoin? Is there a certain site you want to send them to? Is there a way whether it's dollar cost averaging or something else? Like what's kind of the first step that you normally tell them?
1: First thing I tell them, yes, three easy steps, buy it, store it, earn it. All right. So if you want to get into the industry, you got to have skin in the game. So go ahead and buy some. I always say before we even discuss it, if you, you know, $1 worth, $2 worth, $10, that's available now. So buy it, set up dollar cost averaging with either, you know, cash apps, want Bitcoin, either manually in your head, say, I'm going to do this monthly, whatever. Dollar cost average, then store it. Move it to a hardware wallet. You can move it to a paper wallet, move it to an external wallet show people how to do that so that you have bitcoin in your possession no keys no cheese so if you don't actually own it <laughs> you don't really own bitcoin you have a bitcoin iou and then once you have it secure you can actually uh earn bitcoin so you can use a service like fold where you can spend the wheel you get free stats every day or earn earn stats back on visa purchases or lolly L O L L I. if you have a spending problem i buy way too much postmates but i get three and a half percent back bitcoin every time the good thing about that on lolly is there's other stores as well thousands of stores so you can earn bitcoin so you're not just buying it so you're on one hand dollar cost averaging you're securing it and you're also earning it daily that's the best way to stack sats and if you're not rich you don't have to be because stacking sats is a way to to get a percentage of a scarce supply that is the goal so don't think about the price just stack sats
0: I've heard uh, not your keys, not your coins. I've never heard no keys, no cheese, but that might be an even better <laughs> Yeah,
1: exactly. And I think people get that. I mean, especially when you talk about, you know, owning something or actually in your possession, it's like you're just it's just a crypto bank at that point. If you keep it on the uh, exchange and remember, we're trying to have self-sovereignty.
0: Yeah. Talk a little bit about just the underbanked in America, right? My understanding is that there's a, a pretty big population, especially in the black community, that is underbanked, meaning that maybe they have some version of a bank account or some version of financial services, but they definitely don't have everything that uh, maybe people on Wall Street would expect them to have. And so something like Bitcoin actually can help close that gap because really you just need an internet connection, right?
1: Mm-hmm. Yes. And you know what's, what's crazy is as simple as that sounds, There's communities in America where internet connections are a problem, and people didn't realize that until everybody had to work from home and kids had to go to school, and they were like, you do realize there's communities where our internet connection, we can't afford better than 25 megabits per second, which can barely get you Zoom calls, so people don't understand even that at a base level in some communities is a barrier, but once you get over that, because most people do have phones, most people do have that way, that is The only barrier to entry is connection to the Internet. And then once you have that ability to connect, that gives everybody a a fair shake at being banked. Because in the black community, we have almost 20 percent of people are unbanked. We have money in the mattress or you have a cash based business, black and brown communities where that happens. That is something where people thought if I hoard my cash, I'm saving, I'm keeping it later. You have to understand that dollar is getting less and less in value every single day. And like I said before, inflation is like getting your door kicked in and getting robbed every single day. You wouldn't take it after a while. You would find the solution. And that solution is to put it into assets or into uh like some people have done public treasuries. Uh put their public treasuries into Bitcoin. That's what you have to do. So uh save yourself um with that with that strategy and of course make sure if you are a business do what you have to do uh, to preserve your wealth you can't just let it go away with money in the mattress or something your grandmother told you about not trusting banks. Uh, Bitcoin is not that. That's not the same thing. So (laughs) this is a much, much different way.
0: Yeah. And and it's really funny because the distrust is very real in some communities in America, right? Where basically... Mm -hmm. Uh, I know in like the Chinese American community, also in the black community, there there is a very, very deep rooted uh, distrust in these institutions. And so really Bitcoin serves in in some weird way as the exact opposite, where you can basically get all the security and the preservation of the purchasing power, but you get the sovereignty as well. And so you kind of get the best mm-hmm. of both worlds.
1: Mm-hmm. Yes. And, you know, it's, it's so simple. It's complicated. You, you, you tell people this and they're like, wow, so it really solves all the problems we're talking about. Yes, it's. Probably the greatest invention in a few hundred years. Uh, but it's not seen that way. It's just like, oh, it's just something that popped up. Like, no, it solved a lot of problems. So you're right. It definitely is the best of both worlds, it gives you that security. And uh, you know, it, it honestly, for people who have never invested Bitcoin, it's probably the first thing most people have invested in. We've got a whole new wave of investors just because the barrier to entry was low for, for Bitcoin and cryptocurrency. So uh, I love that about this industry.
0: Absolutely. Uh, before I let you go, I got two more questions for you. First, tell us about the books. Uh, you've got the first one out, uh, very popular. Uh, you are oh. probably the only person I know that got Jack Dorsey tweeting about, uh, about your book, which was, uh, <laughs> which was pretty cool. Um, you've been <laughs> yeah. on CNBC recently, and, and it seems like people are really starting to kind of pay attention. Tell us about the first book, and then you've got a second one that is on a pre-order now.
1: Absolutely. So the first book, Bitcoin in Black America, was written in two. 2019. And after it published, um, you know, a lot of people in the black community started to realize that this was quote unquote for us, which was the message I wanted to get out there. The synergy between Bitcoin and the black community was great. And I wanted to make sure that we got the message because it is for everybody. But I believe that the message had, you know, at that time, it went over a lot of people's head. It left a lot of uh, people with a sour taste in their mouth after 2017. They didn't know what was happening. They thought the market was crashing. It was over. So that's why I put out Bitcoin in Black America. And that gives solutions such as how to use it in the Black church, uh, in HBCUs, uh, how to have blockchain groups, things of that nature, and other solutions uh, as well. In the second version, uh, I actually discuss uh, the Bitcoin in Black America tour, talking with Black people all around the country so that you can see that we are still very early. There are people who did not know you could buy a fraction of a Bitcoin even up until 2020. (laughs) So You have to understand, we're still pretty early. As as deep in the wormhole as we are, still very early. Uh, The second book, uh, the second chapter, sorry, The Herd is Coming, uh, literally describes how we can establish ourselves take it a step up. It's not just enough to own Bitcoin. You need to know how to uh, have your own node. You need to have a private wallet. You need to understand the stock to flow model. You need to know why the contillion effect, why things are the way they are. And you need to understand that the herd is coming means that institutions are coming the sense of urgency needs to be there. So that's the second chapter. Uh, the third one, everybody's favorite, fuck the banks. Uh, this is the second part of that. But this one is literally only things that banks have done and the uh, the hypocrisy they've shown just in 2020. This is just t- 2020. Because last time, you know, I put it is t- 2012 to 2019 stuff, just to keep it short. I want people to realize this is just last year. This is while COVID was going on, while you thought everybody was asleep. They were manipulating markets. They were coming out the blue saying Bitcoin is going to be $100,000 when three years ago it was the, the worst asset ever. So I expose all of that. Uh, the fourth chapter, uh, Black is Global. It actually describes how around the world remittance payments are great for the Black community because a lot of my friends are Nigerian, they're Haitian, they're Jamaican. Remittance payments is a huge industry where if across borders, they're starting their industry, you don't have to necessarily, quote unquote, cash out anymore. Um, and the industry built built around that. Um, the fifth chapter, one of my favorites, uh, Bitcoin is reparations. It describes the need to take reparations rather than ask for them. I'm not big on saying, Hey, can you pay us back for what done before? That, that could take decades. If with Bitcoin, you have the opportunity to take it. And I'm one of those people that I'm not about to sit around and ask. Let's just take it and, and do it our way. Um, next, I talk about decentralized finance, the promise there with uh, being able to, as we discussed before, collateralize your crypto and taking away the racial part of it forever uh, and the socioeconomic part of it forever and just focusing on the, the money aspect. And then the last chapter is called No More Talking, because seriously, after this chapter, there should be No More Talking. It includes dollar cost average strategies. It talks about uh, the eight ways to earn Bitcoin without trading. Uh, you know, other concepts. I talk about Bitcoin and marriage, preserving it for generational wealth, What to happen, what happens in a divorce. Uh, what happens if you don't store your keys for your children and your will, how to do all that stuff? Because people need to start thinking, you know, your Bitcoin, the reason a lot of people is going to be lost is because of people dying. It's not going to be because people lost keys. People are going to die and never have stored their keys or taught their family. So I put all that in there so that black people can actually enjoy generational wealth with Bitcoin. And that is all in the second book. Uh, there's also three webinars attached to it. And this is one of the first books I believe to introduce scarcity. There's only 10,000 books that will ever be sold. Uh, hardcover, all of these books for the second edition. And uh, it, this is a educational experience. So when you buy the book, you get the digital copy, you get the audio book, you get the hardcover, and you get the webinar. So I want to make sure I hit home the sense of urgency for the Black community. And I'm pretty sure nobody's ever done that before, but I'm not sure. <laughs> uh, so that, that's the second book in a nutshell. I love it. Where can we send people to go pre-order it? Pre-order at Bitcoin at bitcoinandblackamerica.com.
0: All right. Awesome. We're definitely going to send people there. Last question I have for you is sponsored by Eight Sleep. These guys built this mattress that basically uh, cools you off so you can sleep deeper and get better REM sleep. Uh, I've been sleeping on it and uh, I feel like a new man. What's your sleep schedule like? Are you one of these people who sleeps 10 hours a night or are you operating on four or five? Uh, man, I'm about at two or three. I have a I have a, I have a
1: two-month-old daughter. And I like to watch charts from 2 a.m. to 6 a.m. during Asian markets. So I don't have a sleep schedule. Uh, My mom has always thought I was weird. She was like, you're the only person I know that's a night person and a morning person. (laughs) It's like, I don't even know where sleep comes in, but I'm a nap person. You know, I take naps. I have to get my 30 minutes here, hour here. But I'm up, man. Life is exciting. I like to be awake. Zay, we got to get you some sleep, man. That's crazy. I got a a two-month-old daughter, too. So that makes it worse. So I really don't get any sleep. It's just you know, it is what it is. But I, I definitely got my my Tempur Pedic
0: back there, so I'm gonna start using it more. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Nah, man. Well, Eight, eight Sleep is fantastic. Tempur-Pedic is, uh, is great as well. Listen, man, I really, really appreciate you taking the uh, the time to uh, to jump on here. You're always high energy. You've got lots and lots of great information. And uh, if anyone wants to go to bitcoinandblackamerica.com, they can either get uh, the first book or they can pre-order the second book all independently published. Uh, basically, you're doing it all the right way. So thank you so much for doing this. And uh, we will definitely have to do this again in the future.
1: Yes, sir. Thank you for having me, Pomp. Always good to talk with you. Congrats on the marriage, my brother.